Hey, so glad that you're with us today at Life Center. Anybody else thankful that the sun is still shining in the Pacific Northwest? Let summer keep going. I know there's some in the crowd today, you're ready for the rain. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Uh, I, I'm ready for the summer to keep going. Glad that you're here. If I haven't met you, my name is Tyler. And today we are jumping into part two of a series that we began last week entitled Like Jesus. Like Jesus. We're taking a number of weeks looking at some of the parables, the teaching of Jesus. And here's why. I, I'm convinced with all of my heart that Jesus wants to give you life. Amen? How many of you believe Jesus wants to give you life? In fact, Jesus himself said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. Jesus, he wants to give you life, but here's at times what we miss. He wants to give us life, but he also invites us into his way of life. And sometimes we miss that because if we just leave it at this idea that Jesus wants to give me life, we see it as this kind of disconnected, mystical experience that somehow God gives me life, but it's, it's disconnected from how I live day to day. But I think it's important to pause and consider, yes, Jesus wants to give you life, and with that life, he invites you into his way of life. And for those of us who are tempted to, to leave a, a message like today or the next number of weeks and say, okay, Tyler, we're talking about like Jesus, and so that means I just, I got to exercise some more self-discipline or some determination. Understand, that's not the point. The point is that we would kind of lean in with a greater intentional partnership with Jesus. Because to receive his life, part of the key to receiving his life is actually embracing the way that he's inviting you to live life as he has revealed it. And in a moment, we're going to go to Luke chapter 18. Today, I've entitled this message. If you're taking notes, we'd love you to write a few things down. You can follow along in the Life Center app as well. All the scripture is there. But I've entitled today's message, Everybody Likes to be Right. Everybody likes to be right. Can I get an amen? Everybody likes to be right. Now, now today, I, I need some participation we are rapidly approaching the season where the Puyallup Fair is about to be upon us, which means one of God's great gifts is going to be bestowed back to us, which is Fisher scones. Come on, by a show of hands, how many of you are ready for some Fisher scones? All right. How many of you have no idea what a Fisher scone is? All right. Stretch some hands in that direction. We're going to pray. Uh, people would. No, Fisher scones are, are coming back and. Uh, you know, there's this season where I, I love those moments, and I know that summer is kind of coming to a close. One of the things that I love about summertime as well is the opportunity to play some games that are a family tradition in our household. In fact, just last night, we were playing one of our favorite games. It's a game called Phase 10. How many of you have ever played Phase 10? Um, and I noticed this about myself, I like to win. Okay, again, participation, show of hands. When you're playing games with family or friends, how many of you like to win? Okay, some people are not raising their hands. Let's, 
Let's prove this. How many of you like to lose? Yeah, no, nobody. Um, and I, I'm convinced my family understands this about me because every time we play phase 10, it feels like my children direct every skip card towards a certain individual in the game. Dad. In fact, last night, we're kind of in the last round where somebody laid all their cards out, which means everybody else has one turn left. And I'm about to lay out, and one of my kids lays a skip card down, even though the round is over, and they look at me and they go. <laughs> I like to win. I don't like to lose. Now, in your life, how many of you like to be right? Again, if you're not raising your hand, either you didn't hear me or you're a liar. <laughs> we all like to be right. There, there's not one person who would raise a hand and say, you know what, I just, I want to be wrong more. Most of us, we, we try to fight that idea. We, we want to be right. And why this matters is we're about to read a parable that, that Jesus talks about this concept of how we are actually made right. How we're made right. And today, I want us, as we are preparing to go to Luke chapter 18, I want us to consider something that's very important. Each and every person in this room or those who are watching online, we all walk a path. And the life that we live, we have an opportunity to walk one of two potential paths. And I would add to that, it's, it's not just one of two, it's one of multiple different paths, but there's a distinctive difference between the paths that we walk in life. See, there's only one path that actually leads to life and to flourishing, there's another path that we end up on that, that leads to delusionment, it leads to discouragement, ultimately it leads to this place called brokenness. And I recognize that some of us, maybe we are newer to church, maybe we're getting in a rhythm of, of showing up at this place called Life Center, and you've noticed something that we do every week. What is that? We go to this book. Understand, we're not gathered here today to present you a, a little inspirational TED Talk. That's not the goal. The goal is to actually look at what Scripture has to say. You see, we, we believe something about this book, that it is powerful, that it has truth that can transform our lives. And what we need to understand is that this book, Scripture, what we refer to as the Bible, catch this, it is one unified story that leads us to a person named Jesus. Scripture isn't just a bunch of random collection of books, collection of thoughts. It's got some poetry. It's got some history. It's got some narrative. It's got some prophecy. It's not just random things spliced together. It's, it's one unified story that brings us to a person. His, his name is Jesus. And this matters because in all of its writing, there's this call to embrace a path, a specific path, the, the way that God has purposed life 
to be and what it looks like when we walk in relationship with him. See, one thing we'll note from Scripture, for those who have maybe spent time reading either some of the Old or the New Testament, there's an idea that comes up over and over again. And what is that? It's this idea that God wants us to be righteous. Righteous. Said maybe a little bit shorter, God God expects us to be right, in right standing with him, but, but let me ask us this morning, what makes you righteous? What actually makes you right? This is an important question. And there's a lot of different perspectives. Here, here's what I know about humanity. Everyone believes something about the idea of what is right. Everybody has some type of concept. By the way, even those who are convinced that there is no absolutes, whatever truth is for you, that's good for you, but it might not be my truth. Have you ever had this conversation or heard this argument? Everything is relative. There's no absolute truths. Here's a great way to debunk that idea. Simply steal that person's car. Because I mean, you know, something's going to rise up inside. They're, they're not going to be like, you know what? That's the right thing for you to do. Might not be right for me, but it's right for you. Everybody has an internal dynamic that says some things are right and some things are not right. And here's what God expects. God expects us to be Right. The question is, what is it that makes us right or, or righteous? You see, being declared righteous means this, that, that we are declared in right standing with God. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells us a parable. He tells us a, a parable that I would paraphrase, a, a tale of two trusts. Each of these trusts is like a different path that we can choose to walk. And each and every one of us, we we are walking a specific path. But I want us to pause for a little bit today and just take account, reflect on what is the path that I'm actually walking. Look with me to Luke chapter 18. Jesus is telling this story. He says this, he also told this parable to some who trusted, can you say trusted? They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. I know nobody has ever experienced this dynamic. That, that he, he's telling the story to help remind people to draw this truth out that, listen, some of my hearers today you are so convinced that you are right and your definition, your view of your rightness is enabling you to to be blind to who you really are. But not only that, it's impacting how you see others. Jesus says this, two men went up to the temple to pray. Both men are praying. Both men are doing good things. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. 
Again, in Jesus' original audience, the Pharisees were like the super spiritual people. I mean, these are the people that they got like the bumper sticker on the back of their car, right? No God, no peace with a K. No God, no peace with an O. They got the neck tattoo. They, they, I'm in with God. I mean, they, they are full on super spiritual people. I know I just messed with somebody's paradigm because you're like, neck tattoo? Oh yeah, neck tattoo. You'd be super spiritual with a neck tattoo. But the Pharisees are in one group. These should be the heroes. The tax collectors, these are not the heroes. These are the traitors. These are the people who are working for Rome, which was a foreign, oppressive nation in Israel. And Jesus says that these two individuals go to the temple to pray. Now the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now pause for a second. Imagine going to a prayer meeting Somebody hands an individual a mic, and they don't, they don't pray to God about his goodness. They talk about themselves, to themselves, about how amazing they are. And then, when they want an analogy of how good they are, they use you as exhibit A of what they're thankful they are not. That's what's going on. God, I thank you. That I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. The Pharisee is pretty sure about himself. And why, what is it that makes him so confident in himself? It's all of these things he's Doing. He thinks that is the catalyst, that is the key of what has separated him or made him right compared to others. Now notice the things that he lists that he does, those are not bad things. Those are actually good things. The problem is those are not the things that get him into right standing. Those should actually be the indicator that you are in right standing, not the things that provided your right standing. But look at Jesus' shift in his story here. He now focuses in on the tax collector, verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's also confident about something. He's also convinced about something. I tell you, this one, the tax collector, went down to his house justified. You want to know what that word justified means? It means literally declared righteous. Declared right. This one, rather than the other, he went home justified because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, in context, Jesus has just finished telling a story about prayer as well. He told a story about a widow who would not give up. She was the persistent widow. She would not stop persisting in prayer. 
What's interesting, Jesus tells now another story about persistence. You see, the Pharisees, if, if they're anything, they are persistent. They're consistent. He's showing up daily. He's praying. He's, he's doing all of this. But now Jesus reminds us that attitude is as important as persistence. So you can be consistent in church attendance. You can be consistent in reading your Bible. You can be consistent in fasting or giving, tithing, doing all of these things. But if the attitude is off, if the source is off, it impacts everything. To contrast what's going on between these two, consider this for a moment. The Pharisee talked to himself about himself. That's kind of messed up. He talks to himself about himself. The tax collector only talks to God. The Pharisee could see the sins of others, but not his own. And let's be honest, sometimes it's so much easier to see other people's issues than to see our own, isn't it? The tax collector, he saw his need and admits it. The Pharisee, his eyes were focused, and notice the direction that his eyes are focused. The Pharisee, his eyes are focused in looking down on others in judgment. But notice the position of the tax collector's eyes. The, the tax collector's eyes were also focused downward, but instead of downward in judgment on others, he's focused downward in humility as he's aware of his own need. His own need. Understand, life is going to press us and force us to walk one of two paths. What are those paths? I will either walk the path of self-trust or I will walk the path of God-trust. One of two paths. But, but here's, I think, something important for us to recognize when, when it comes to what I just called the path of self-trust is this path is actually really broad and it has a whole bunch of different variations to it. The path of God-trust is, is actually very focused, very narrow. In fact, Jesus says that he is the way. Not a way, the way. I think we have to be aware of this dynamic with the path of self-trust. Why? Because some of us, somewhere along the line, we knew that life wasn't working, stuff was broken. We said a prayer, we put our trust in Jesus, and we made the decision, I'm going to get off the path that I was on. How many of you, you remember that moment that you said, I'm no longer going to walk that path anymore. Thank goodness for God and his grace. But here's the danger. Because some of us, we, we got off that path of self-trust and we moved just a couple of degrees and we added some religious activity all with the hope of making ourselves right. So catch this. Thank goodness we weren't who we once were. But if I just now walk a path where, okay, I've added some church attendance. I've added some Bible reading. I've added some prayer. I've added some generosity when, when I have enough margin with my money. I've added some, some giving of my time when it fits into my schedule. And we look and we go, okay, I'm not on that path 
anymore, but can I tell you, there's a whole bunch of variations of the path of self. Catch this. Because if you're using your religious activity to make yourself right, understand you are still trusting in yourself. This is why we have to consider what what path am I actually on? And and I want to remind you, this is a daily battle. I get it. I, I wish I could tell you today, hey, as long as you said the prayer the right way, in that moment, you went from self-trust to God-trust, and you'll never have to worry about trusting yourself again. But how many of you know it's, it's sometimes challenging to, to follow Jesus and trust him completely, to actually trust him with our career, to trust him with how our kids are going to turn out, to trust him with our finances, to trust him no matter how expensive gas gets or what the economy is doing. To, to, I know I just hit some people way close to home. To trust him. This is a daily battle. Will I build my life around trust in myself or will I build my life around trusting in God? And, and here's what I want us to understand, especially for those of us who always want to be Right. It's okay at times to be wrong. It's okay. But not when it comes to this. You don't want to be on the wrong path. You don't want to miss what God actually has purposed and designed for you in the way that he lines out in Scripture that this is the path that I want you to walk. And so with that in mind... Let me share with us two keys in the process of being made right that we see here in this story. Two keys. Number one, the first key. We need proper awareness of the source of my hope. This is the blind spot, by the way, for the Pharisee. The Pharisee is convinced that he can be hopeful, which moves him to be boastful. Why? Because he thinks he's the source of it. But what we need, if we're going to move to this place of right standing and embracing the path that God has laid out for us called trusting him, we need to understand, I need a proper awareness of the source of my hope. Understand, the wrong source will always lead you to the wrong outcome. Let me prove it. A number of years ago, our family, we decided to eat mostly plant-based. It's a great exercise. It's a great opportunity. Great pathway to learn how to try to make things that taste like other things that actually taste nothing like the thing that you're trying to make it taste like, but you convince yourself it's healthier. And one night, Amber says to me, Tonight we're going to make hot dogs. And I looked at her and I was like, I love you. You are the woman of my dreams. She said, we're going to use carrots. (laughs) Oh, okay. So she gets carrots and peels the carrots, and then she takes the carrots and soaks them in something that's supposed to make the carrots taste like hot dogs. (laughs) And the carrots are soaking and soaking and soaking. 
And she takes the soaking hot dog carrots and hands them to me and says, now you need to barbecue them. <laughs> and so I take the carrots that were soaked in heaven knows what and I, I place them on the barbecue and I begin to grill carrot dogs. And I get them where they have the, the little lines from the barbecue grate. And I'm thinking, okay, well, may, maybe this will work. Maybe it's going to taste just like a hot dog. And I get done grilling them. And I put them on a bun. And can I tell you, not even a half bite into it. I learned something. <laughs> Carrots will never taste like hot dogs. Carrots will never be hot dogs. You want to know what carrots are really good at being? Carrots. <laughs> carrots. See, this matters. Why? Because if I start with the wrong source, I'll always end up with the wrong outcome. And some of us, we are convinced that we are the source of our hope. We are the source of our righteousness. We are the source of getting things right. But understand, if you start with the wrong source, you're going to end up with the wrong outcome. I've learned an inaccurate view of God will lead to an inaccurate view of myself. If I'm convinced that God is disconnected or disinterested, it's going to impact how I see myself. If I'm convinced that God's got his arms crossed, he's tapping his feet, waiting for me to get my act together so that I can somehow get myself into right standing, it's going to impact how I see myself. An inaccurate view of God will create an inaccurate view myself, if I think that God exists for making my life happy and easy, you're going to end up frustrated either with the life that you've been given or the God who has given you life. See, an inaccurate view also, though, of myself is going to taint the way that I see God and ultimately the way that I see others. This is the dynamic playing out in the story that Jesus is telling. There's an inaccurate awareness going on of, of the source of hope. Understand, awareness matters. Awareness matters. Proper awareness, it needs to move us to action. It's one thing to be aware that, that God has life and that he wants to make us righteous. It's, it's one thing to have that awareness. It's another thing to lean in and take action on what he wants to give us. See, here's what I'm aware of. Tyler. I am not the greatest source of hope for me. Jesus is. When, when I'm in a battle in my life, when, when I'm facing challenges, when, I, when I'm uncertain about the future, I, I have to remind myself, I'm not my only source of hope. I'm not actually the source of hope. Only Jesus is. See, it's only when I see God clearly that I can actually see myself clearly. How many know there's a lot of people that you go to work with, that you live nearby, that you're related to, and the greatest challenge in their life is they have an inaccurate picture of God, and it's affecting the way that they view themselves. But take that a step further. When I, when I actually begin to see myself clearly in light of who God really is, it also changes the way that I see others. Awareness issues always lead to attitude issues. Awareness issues 
always lead to that. That's why I have to have a proper awareness of what my source of hope actually is. But here's the second key today. Accurate attitude. We all need accurate attitudes that are shaped by humility. This is what's being displayed by Jesus, by the way, in this story. There, there's an inaccurate attitude in the Pharisee. There's an accurate attitude with the tax collector. One is very prideful. The other is growing in humility. You see, the attitude of each, the, the tax collector and the Pharisee, they revealed what they were and what they were not aware of. By the way, this is always a great indicator when, when you engage with somebody. If you step back and kind of ask a bigger question instead of just what's frustrating you, but, but ask the question, what are they aware of? What is their words, their actions, their attitudes revealing right now in this moment? You see, awareness, it matters, but that awareness should lead us to an attitude of humility. The Pharisee's attitude, self-trust that was rooted in pride. The tax collector's attitude, God trust rooted in humility. There's a few different mindsets or, or common ideas that show up when it, when it comes especially to this idea of being made right or being declared righteous. I, I wanna point out a few because all of these exist in the church among followers of Jesus. See, option number one sounds a little bit like this. It goes a little bit like this. Jesus was righteous for me, therefore I don't have to be. Jesus was righteous, so I don't have to. Because I know next Sunday's coming, I can just pray and ask God for forgiveness. Jesus was righteous, I don't have to be. See, this, this mindset or this attitude says it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But that's radically different than what Scripture says. Scripture says, no, it does matter. Righteousness matters. That leads us to option two. Option two goes a little bit like this. God expects me to be righteous, so I'm going to make it happen. This is the Pharisee, by the way. What this attitude says is, you know what? I can do it. I'm going to read more, I'm going to show up more consistently, I'm going to give more, I'm going to fast more, I'm going to do all of this activity because I know that God wants me to be righteous and I can do it. But the problem is you got your eyes locked on the wrong source. The problem is the path you are actually walking is a path of self-trust, not God-trust. The third option goes a little bit like this. God expects me to be righteous, but I'm a mess. I'm never gonna arrive. Can I tell you, this attitude also exists in the church. Tyler, I know what God expects of me, but, but can I be honest, my life is a wreck, my life is a mess, I'm never gonna arrive, I can't do it. And the problem with this attitude is there's zero hope connected to it. Here's the option that I wanna encourage us to move towards. The, the fourth option sounds like this. God desires righteousness. I can't do that through my own strength, but I can trust Jesus to make me righteous. Since he lived the perfect life and he invites me to enter into his way 
of life. I, I can't do it. I know what God expects. I can't do it. You know what that sounds a lot like? It sounds like the tax collector. Humility, recognizing, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's amazing how the Father flings his arms wide open and runs towards those who simply make the turn towards home. See, the more that I grow to understand the the unified storyline of scripture and what's communicated, the, the more it moves me to trust God and to diminish trust in myself. Why? Because at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm flawed. I, I don't want to walk the path of self-trust. God knows more than I know. God is stronger than I am. God is the source of my hope. Again, here's the danger with pride. Pride will cause me to get, condemn others but humility will allow me to consider my own needs. Pride will deceive me to believe that I've already arrived, but humility develops trust in the process that God is growing me in and growing me through. Pride will cause me to resist conviction. Catch this. Pride will cause me to resist conviction. In the story between the Pharisee and the tax collector, which one was feeling conviction. It, it was the tax collector. The Pharisee had some conviction, but his conviction was this. I'm so stinking amazing. He had a conviction. The tax collector had a conviction, but his conviction was, God, I need you. I need your mercy. See, pride will cause me to resist conviction and humility will enable me to embrace confession. Both are making some confessions. The tax collector says, God, my confession, I am a sinner and I need mercy. The Pharisee's confession, God, thank you that I'm not like that. It's a radical difference between the two. One is rooted in a proper awareness and a proper attitude that leads to humility. The other Self-trust, self-trust, self-trust. See, humility is the path that leads us to embrace that we have no righteousness that we can earn or offer to God. In fact, Scripture says it this way about our righteousness. It's like filthy rags that we're trying to offer to God. I won't go into the word study, but you can use your imagination. It's like filthy rags. You see, it is a gift that we receive. Righteousness is a gift that we receive. And if you've ever been around somebody who is boastful and arrogant about a gift, it feels weird. Because they've done nothing to deserve it. If you've earned it, it's not a gift. But if it's a gift, you have no claim to it. Why? Because it was given to you by sheer mercy or grace, just goodness, kindness. And can I tell you, righteousness is a gift that we receive because of what Jesus has done for us. And out of that, I live a life dedicated to trusting God each and every moment. I don't want to get back on the path of self-trust. I want to walk the path of trusting God and friends. As we celebrate water baptisms today, we are about to watch a visible demonstration of exactly what I'm talking about. 
these individuals who are going to be baptized in water, it is identifying with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That they don't have any righteousness to claim in their own, but today they have received the righteousness that is by faith through the grace of Jesus. And because of that, they are a new creation. And my prayer for you, Life Center, this week has been this, that this message, it wouldn't just be helpful, but that it would be hopeful. Sometimes we leave a message and go, okay, that was helpful. I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna put something into motion. And all of that is good, but my prayer is that our eyes would be drawn back to Jesus and we would find our hope in him, not in ourselves, not in our activity. So today there's some who are in this place, maybe some who are watching online, and maybe you need to make the decision to put your trust in Jesus, to get off that path of self-trust and get on the path of, of trusting God. Today, consider for a moment, what are you confident in? What are you confident in? Some of us, we're confident in our ability to, to earn money or to lead in our industry or our career or, or how we function as a husband or a wife or in our family dynamic. We, we have some confidence, but where we, we have to be willing to drill down just a little bit this morning is on this truth. Whatever you are confident in, this will end up being what you look to as your source. That's your ultimate confidence. It's not wrong to, to have some skill set, some confidence, some, some self-awareness. That's not wrong, but when you put your ultimate trust in that, we get on the wrong path. Today begins with awareness of what our hope is. That leads us to an attitude of humility to receive this gift of right standing with God. Today, can I invite you to bow your heads with me before we celebrate those who are going to be baptized in water? Maybe today you're in this place, maybe you're watching online, you realize that today you, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. You wanna know that you're a new creation. You wanna know that your debt is paid, your sin is forgiven. If that's you, I'm gonna invite all of Life Center to say this prayer and scripture reminds us that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved, you're forgiven, you're free. So as we pray this prayer, Listen, some of you, you're going to make that decision today. I want you to agree with this prayer by faith. Would you say this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision today?